Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Gaston Gold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Bye week is in the books, and the Texas Longhorns are ready to start Big 12 play, so that means we're breaking it all down here on this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time. Let me bring in the rest of the team as we get ready for Texas and Iowa State and the Big 12 schedule. Tom Herman's first run through the Big 12, and if the first real weekend of conference action taught us anything, gentlemen, this Big 12 is going to be a mother, to say the least. It is a, nine, <laughs> a mofo. It is a nine-game gauntlet, and we will go through the conference and Texas chances to uh, chances to make a bowl, chances to maybe make a, a nice bowl. We'll <laughs> I through. love when you say make a bowl. Make a nice bowl. <laughs> respectable bowl. <laughs> All right, there you go, respectable bowl. Is the Texas Bowl respectable? Yeah. What about the Alamo I think Bowl? The Alamo, Alamo Bowl is because that's like okay. Big Twelve number two, right. and, and Alamo, Alamo Bowl Pac has 12, been number three. Uh, upgraded. It was when okay. they reshook up the bowls a I few think years once, ago. So you say the big? Let's say the Big Twelve gets two teams into the playoff, right? Which is possible, certainly possible. <laughs> <laughs> or not in the not in the playoff, not in the playoff. I'm sorry, not in the playoff. Oh. In like the group of the the New Year's Six picture. Oh, yeah, they said the playoff. That's so which would be, which I apologize. Would be, which would be one in the playoff, and then yeah, let's for one. argument's sake, let's so. say Oklahoma's in the playoff, and TCU to, TCU's in the Sugar Bowl. Right now, two of the Oklahoma teams, Oklahoma or TCU stand the best chance because right. if not Oklahoma or TCU, then Texas. So they then won't you have figure them. if you're just thinking about it, then the next best Big Twelve team would be in the Alamo Bowl. The next big tw- best Big Twelve team would be in the. It used to be the Russell Athletic Bowl. Now it's the Camping World Bowl. <laughs> You've done a good job of keeping track of these Camping things. World Bowl. And then after well, that, let's just after, detach all the sponsorships and, and just. Then say after the bowls. that, I think it's like Terrible. the Texas Bowl, the Motel Six Cactus Bowl, oh, Motel Six Bowl. Yeah, yeah. like we Man. don't have to remember those. Well, just I mean, once you get on up. that level, I think it's like, okay. If you're at a Motel 6 Bowl, you're not at a good bowl. And yes. I, I think it's no. Motel 6. So no. I have stayed at Motel 6. And they've actually vastly improved Motel 6. This was the last time you stayed at one. They're actually. When's the last time you stayed I think I went to Mexico. <laughs> When's the last time you stayed at Motel 6, Rod? Uh, probably about five, six years ago. I stayed at Motel 6. I stayed at one on my way to Omaha in 2014. Yeah. Oh, about wow. Four, nice. five, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say my experience at Motel 6 was not as pleasant. Well, you were at what? You said was Omaha? I was in Topeka, Kansas. Topeka, Kansas. Okay. Well, that's not different. A- the, okay. The Motel 6 is in metropolitan areas. have <laughs> been renovated. There you go. You got to you gotta <laughs> underscore that, Rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to right. underscore Good that. Point. Let Good people point. know what they're getting into. God, I'm sure the Motel so. 6 in New Orleans probably isn't all that bad. Yeah, exactly. Or the one in Austin is not that bad because I have some friends who stayed in but you're right. If you go to Oklahoma or you go to the Little why, Apple, why you Manhattan, got the whole, Kansas, why you got the Oklahoma under the bus right out? Because yeah, Oklahoma's a yeah. You're right. It's a, Oklahoma no, it's City a would have a renovated Motel Six, maybe, perhaps. Yeah, yeah Mac Tulsa, one time Tulsa. Uh, there you go. Thank Mac you Brown, much. remember he did not want to be fired by a twit in Topeka. <laughs> a twit. That was one of the best <laughs> drops of all time back in the day. The twit in Topeka on Twitter. That's a good point. All right, so we're going to talk about the Big Twelve. We're going to talk about uh, Texas, Texas and Iowa State. 
coming up on Thursday night. And we know this is going to air for some of our syndicated affiliates after the game. But Very uh, true. We'll, we'll make it work, nonetheless. We will. Um, let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. The, not the man behind the glass, but the man that sits uh, merely a fist bump away from Rod Knight. That's now. right. Yes, this is an intimate yeah. atmosphere like today. We're all very thing. close. We're within sure. arm's rank of one another. I like that. Matt Butler. Yes, sir. What's up? Oh, not much, man. Actually, uh, one of my close cousins just had a baby, so going to go visit some family awesome. this weekend. My cousin Jason, his da- his sister had a baby. So nice. That's going to be pretty cool. But other than that, lots of football and then a little bit of basketball. New life, up. a football season baby. Yes, yes. Everybody's having babies, man. That's true. Yeah, just like you just had a birthday. I didn't get to wish you happy birthday. Oh, but I didn't happy get to birthday wish you happy birthday either. It's all good. When was, was your birthday? A couple days Last ago. Last Thursday. Oh, man, I missed that the totally. The yeah, that's when like, I, I go on, on Facebook one. and then you see that 100 people said something to him the day before. I was like, ah, that had to be a birthday. Because you and Craig way have uh, birthdays that are close then, huh? Craig's is, I think, seventeenth oh, or something. a week before mine. Yeah, Y'all's parents yeah, were New Year's babies. Yeah. yeah. Um, Happy birthday, brother. I appreciate that. Feliz cumpleaños. 34. Oh, you old man. Mm-hmm, getting yeah, up man. there. You clear. Yeah, you, yeah, that's true. You're at least closer to 30 and 40. So Walter Payton, Shaq, and Kirby Puckett. Strong at Only a sports person would keep their Oh, uh, wasn't Nolan Ryan 34? Sport, I told you guys numbers. how I, I tell you, yes, Nolan was 34. There you go. That would be the I one. I told you guys I how I do it, man. My, I, I know how old I am based on what WrestleMania is coming hmm. up. Oh. So WrestleMania 34 is the next 34. This is my 34th birthday. So, nice. Yeah, that's, that's easy. That is cool. So I can do the hand same hand thing too if I ever have a senior moment. Isn't WrestleMania in uh, February or around there? March, March, late March. Because my April. birthday's in February, so Where? I can do the same thing as you. That's a good one. I just go. never know what WrestleMania it is. <laughs> Where, what, where, where's WrestleMania this year? New Orleans. Oh, that's a fun city. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be the. I'm sure. I'm assuming it's in like the was it the Mercedes Benz? It'll be the Superdome. Yeah. Superdome Stadium. Yeah. yeah. Um, until my wife got pregnant, I was thinking about going down there. Now oh, you ain't not, going not happening. Now. It's not happening. No shot. You can. You may be able to order a pay per view. If wifey lets you, considering you got another life that's coming that, into the family, and now you got to watch that's bills. That's the benefits of the WWE Network, Rod. It's oh, nine ninety nine a month. Boom! Done. Yes, sir. They carry WrestleMania? Yeah. Mark wow, that's that cool. is That is big. You don't have to pay for it. If you have the WWE Network, you get all Do you get all of the events, SummerSlam, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, all for wow. free. Wow. Yeah, for that nine ninety nine a month. Dude, they should, they should publicize that because that might make it worth it in itself. Instead, you order two or three wrestling events a year. For the you two. might as well just get the damn... WWE for Network. The, for the big four pay-per-views, yeah. like Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Summer SummerSlam, Summer Survivor Series. Series, for the big four, yeah. what you would pay in a pay-per-view cost, it Once. basically takes care of itself. Easily. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, so if you order two of those events a year, you should get the WWE Network. Speaking of which, if you don't like the wrestling talk, this is the part of the podcast Sorry. where you probably want to <laughs> No, that's forward. mathematical. I, 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 story. No, I got a story. Yeah, I got a story. Bills and, and everything. I think you guys saw this. So when I was out in L.A. For the, for the SC game, yeah. uh, that Friday night, the night before, huh. I decided to, since it was... Less than a mile from my hotel room, I was like, I'm going to go over to the El Segundo Brewery. I saw this. Because oh, I, I think Steve I Austin this. has his own beer, the Broken Skull IPA. And Ooh. you can't get it in Texas. Why? You can only, you can only get it through certain vendors because it's only brewed at the El Segundo Brewery in El Segundo, Isn't California. is he from Texas, though? He is from Texas. Yeah. Then what the hell kind well, of logistics blank is more that? There. But he lives in Los Angeles now. He lives yeah, that's just a local Steve business. You need to make it available here, Steve Austin. That'd be I'm losing smart. respect for you, brother. Make it available here. So I went to the, I went to the El Segundo Brewery thinking that I'm just going to buy a couple bottles and keep them in my suitcase and take them home. But yeah, their souvenir their items. business was like the showroom was closed, but the tap room was open. I'm like, well, 
Oh. You can get a beer, but you couldn't get a souvenir beer. Right. Like, okay. Yeah, so so I figured you get some beer. beer to drink, but not a souvenir. Yes. So I was like, well, you know what? I'll just go ahead and just, I'll take it. I'll take it home with me. Mm. And it was cool. Stone Cold responded to you immediately. Yeah, so I'm trying to find the. I saw what? this. It was like I was like, this made Jeff's day. Like it was Stone the night before here's the, here's USC. The, yeah, here's the Twitter exchange. I said, hey, at Steve Austin BSR, made my way to El Segundo Brewery from Austin, Texas, Broken Skull IPA, worth the trip, and I took a picture of my beer. He replies, I was hoping maybe I'd get a retweet or something. He replied a couple times. He replies back, cheers, enjoy the weekend, should be an interesting game. Well, and then you went on. So one of my life goals has been to have a beer with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's probably as close as I'm going to get. That was pretty damn cool. But it's pretty damn cool. That is really damn cool. No, the second I saw that, I was like, this is going to be one of the landmark moments for Jeff. Like, I showed my brother the phone. I was like, Stone Cold within a minute. I was like, not only is he at the place getting his beer, Stone Cold's talking Texas football and saying good luck. Going to be an interesting game. All right, didn't I tell you back what I said about Stone Cold? So that was, that was that's was also here. whenever you're these craft brewery things, like if you don't have the logistics and you aren't bottling it everywhere, like I bet he will make it available in Texas pretty soon. But that's also one that you got to yeah. go to the brewery. This is true. I think there, it man, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't there also issues with like commerce with alcohol and state to state yeah. stuff? But yeah, I'm not Different, sure. Yeah, I, there's probably if anybody no wants lawyer. to educate me on taxes and tariffs as far as. Me. Alcohol transportation goes between states. Feel free to reach I, I out. I bet it's know. just, I, I, and I'm sure that's interesting too. I bet it's just that it is. It's it's just so um, detrimental to them in terms of their cost, the logistics, analysis, yeah. you know, in terms of shipping it instead of brewing it actually in Texas and then having it available. Yeah, right. I bet exactly. the long-term plan is to brew it here rather than ship it here because it's probably not worth to ship it here. Right. Yep, and you wouldn't be able to make exactly. enough bang for your buck to do it. You know, what whether I mean? he's talking about brewed beers. Defensive back play, whatever the case, he's the renaissance man here on Longhorn Blitz. Here's our lockdown corner here on the show, Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American. 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and the year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Realize how many great NFL minds have been around. Talk about Mike Shanahan and John Gruden. Mike Tomlin was my DB coach. He wasn't even my defensive coordinator in Tampa. My DB coach. uh, You had a nice little tree. Monty Kiffin was my defensive coordinator. Tomlin wasn't one of those guys that mispronounced your name, was he? Hey, Barbers, get over here. No, Tomlin was, I loved loved Coach Tomlin. He was fantastic. And he was a youngster. He's just a few years older than you. was like our... Not a grad assistant, like a coaching quality control. quality control guy there. Like it was a great like defensive, your defensive back GA. room. Yeah, it was a great defensive back room in Tampa. No, that's an amazing that. group when you think about it that. It really was, man. When he was yeah. done in the NFL, when he was done in Canada, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Where He'd wear his T-ring proudly if he was in possession I'm going to get it. I had Chip call me out the other day texting me, Chip equipment. He's like, you need to get over here. I heard you ain't got your T-ring. I was like, ah, See, Chip yeah. Robertson, fan of the Chip's Blitz, man. reaching out and telling yeah, me. Yeah, he was like, you need your... to get over here and get And I need to go over there and, and go say up to there you go. Call himself Big Daddy. But if he when he gets his T ring, he will wear it proudly. But nonetheless, he's a card carrying member of DBU. Number twenty one in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mister Rod Babers. And uh, Rod, I guess we'll start off the conversation uh, instead of Texas. Let's go big and kind of work our way back. Okay, macro to micro. This was one of those weekends where you just kind of got to sit around and observe. One of those rare fall weekends where you get to do that. This weekend will be one of those with the Thursday game, and then you have Very Saturday true. to just kind of be a spectator. Um, a lot of interesting stuff happened around the Big 12, but I want to start with TCU and Oklahoma State because I think that game showed me a lot about what's to come for Texas. 
And what I mean by that is a couple of things. Number one, when you look at TCU's defensive game plan in that game, mm-hmm. TCU clearly wanted to take away the vertical passing game of Oklahoma State. That was the one thing Gary Patterson wanted to do. And, Rod, what did we talk about all the time with the previous staff, with Charlie Strong? They don't really do anything that lends you to having something that you can take away something the opponent does really make them well. A, make your opponent adapt. Take exactly. Some, take them, make them beat you left-handed. And Todd Orlando did that in the USC game. Took away that run the game. game plan was they're not going to run the football between the tackles. We're going to shut down zone. the inside zone run yeah. game. Which is their favorite running play. And Texas, and Texas did that. And to USC's credit, and I actually like this, they've kind of built their offense on the run game, and they tried it and tried it and tried it until they decided – we cannot run the football. We're going to lose this game with, a, with the top quarterback in the country because we want to run the football. And they were like, yeah, let's let Sam Donald try to win the game for us. Can I throw this at you real quick since you mentioned that? I need to hold that thought. But I had somebody bring up an interesting point to me that Clay Helton could be the next Mac Brown. And what they mean by that was Ooh. a guy that will recruit extremely well, mm-hmm. have a boatload of NFL talent, win 10-plus win games a year, mm-hmm. but will probably – lose one or two games throughout the year that his teams have no business losing. Like Mark Richt. Along yep. the same lines. Yeah. That's a good spot yeah. to be because unless you're at the top five and get the super elite coach, that's about what the other 20 it's just kind of like, around yeah. there. That's, that's, kind of like, yeah, about, that's about as good as you get. But this is the thing about USC. USC is like Texas, right, where, yep. yes, that's fine for 95% of college football yep. fans. Just to be uh, a 10-win program mm-hmm. when you're top – 10, top 15 in recruiting year after year, easy. But for USC's and for Texas and for even Georgia. Florida, even yeah. Georgia, I agree with you, um, it's not good enough. They're blue bloods. They, it's, almost, it's almost for them a curse to get that close every year right. to an SEC title or to a Pac-12 title and to the college football playoff and not make it. So, because you know fan- you aren't fully maximizing. Exactly. I've always heard the SEC talking heads throughout the years when Mark Rick was at Georgia. I say that like he was there like ten years ago. It was only two years ago, yeah. whatever the last time he was there. But it was which program would you rather be? Would you rather be Georgia? Would you rather be Auburn? Would you rather be like a nine or ten win team every year but not cross not, the hump? Yeah. Or would you rather be Auburn where you're in the na- you win the national title one year and then two years later you're three and nine fire your coach yeah. go to and then and then you go to later. the national championship <laughs> yeah. game and then you're a six win yeah. team? No, that's, that's why I, that's why I like it. If you're an Astros fan, we can all relate. Most of our listeners, I mean, there was that area that even when you were good, you weren't good enough in the '90s and 2000s, and then you sort of acted like you were good enough and tried to stick around with free agency, but there's no path or anything. What yeah. somebody do come in, slash and burn, just go to crap, be able to get the players to be able to build up a new system, start over for a chance to win it all, and it's the same idea that people will call tanking but it's sort of like strategizing and you think about when you look over to going in college though you got to be able to go and attack and go for that big one because there's so many people that if you're going to just try to every year be a little bit better it's going to be tough to be that elite one unless you're taking those few risks and not be afraid to fail i don't know if there is a right answer i mean you look at uh you know gus malzahn and um, you know, before you know, Gene Chizik, you know, right. yep. didn't even last long. He had Cam Newton there, was able to win a national title. And Fired two years later. Two years yeah. later, he's gone. So Fired. It's crazy if fan base. If you're talking about job security as a coach, I think I'd rather be Mac Brown and Mark Yeah, Rick. yeah, yeah. Because I think I can last close to a decade with that type of record. Right. With Gene Chizik, you get that with national title. And, and it's crazy because fan, sports fans are so fickle, they'll forget about the national title in like two years. They two forget year, about it. Two years yeah. later, two you're years. three and nine and you're, you're gone. Bum, you're bummed. Get out of here. 
Yeah, yeah. Yep. But if you can keep winning nine, ten games, you have to use right. like uh, we can't just get rid of him. You get rid of a nine win, ten win. Cause remember when Mac Brown was his last year? We were like, if he gets to nine, ten wins, or wins the Big Twelve, he's gonna stay. That's a tough spot to be in because yeah. are you gonna either gonna go with like you're saying yeah, because that's even not only better for the individual coach but then the fan base is gonna have a lot of fun in those ten win seasons but you're no gonna doubt. have just enough heartbreak to where do you really know if you're gonna ever get to that point now Texas got there because Vince Young and you're able to get one but when you look at the ability to end up going all for not and then losing the fans can't stand that you know so why? If you're spiking you know why it goes and, I, away. and I know we'll go deep into this I don't want to get back to Iowa State but you know why what killed what killed Auburn. Bama. Yep. You're in the shadow of Bama. Yeah. So, sorry, your one national title, it looks, it, it, you know what I it's mean? It literally, looks so minuscule and it, it, it's dwarf compared to Bama. Because you're and the, four to one in that state. Yeah, and the same thing with Mac Brown. What hurt Mac Brown? Oh, you. Stoops. Yeah. Stoops was so damn good. If Mac was just going up against some other scrub, he'd be like, ah, Mac's doing as well as anybody. But it was Stoops winning a national title his second year. It was like, man, Mac, you better get your together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's all about the context. Who, who are your fans looking at? Who are they comparing themselves to? Because they're comparing themselves to Bama and Nick Saban. Sorry, Auburn, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. If you're comparing yourself to Bud Bob Stoops in Oklahoma in that decade, Sorry, Mac, you're screwed. Right. Yep. Unless you're winning a national title. So I think it's all about the context it, too. Right. This gonna be fun to watch Ohio State and Michigan play out the next decade. Yes. This is like we're talking they're about it right now to see that's exactly if right. they're gonna both kill yeah. each other and maybe yeah. never maximize, or if one's gonna kill the other. It's like the Wisconsin, way like, it's like Wisconsin football. Wisconsin football is that right there in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. It's right there all the damn time. Oklahoma State. Their Oklahoma State's kind of like that too, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not only OU, but it's Texas. For Oklahoma State fans, that's been fine. For that and for Wisconsin fans, it's been fine. And then that's why the, Aggies decide to leave to go take what we were talking about being that just competitive and fun enough. If you know you can't win a championship like they sort of felt, yeah. they're like, okay, we'll go to the SEC and just be an SEC team exactly. and win six games. The school that I want to keep talking about right now, TCU, has kind of been like they're like Gary that too. Patterson. Good point. But you talk about taking away TCU's vertical pass, Oklahoma State's vertical passing game, taking away, making the the, the offense beat you, making them as one dimensional as possible. Exactly I should say right. if I can stop mm-hmm. stuttering. And Todd Orlando did that against SC. That's the challenge, Rod, for this Texas defense the rest yeah. of the way. Can you can you find something in this Big 12 offenses that you know you can take away and say, you can beat us. If you can beat us doing A, B, and C, then so be it. But you're not going to beat us by doing X. You're not going to beat us with your bread and butter, with this one thing we know we can take away. I agree. And every Big 12 team is going to be different, right? You talked about Oklahoma State, their vertical passing game. You know, with Oklahoma, it, you know, it's probably going to be close to what Charlie Strong did against Baker Mayfield in 2015. Right. I don't think it would be that much different. Um, and, you know, against TCU, it's going to be different with Kenny Trill, Kenny Hill, whatever you want to say. So I agree with you, I think. But this defense, and people can be asking me, what, what schematic change? What did Todd Orlando do differently versus USC? And I, I'd agree with Todd Orlando and Tom Herman when I say most Oklahoma fans didn't take a deep dive into that San Jose State film defensively. Um, because Texas hasn't really done much differently. Mm-mm. No. It, 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 and I don't know what it is. The linebackers are playing much better. Malik and Anthony Wheeler and uh, Nation Hughes, those guys are playing much better off uh, defensively. And I think they're just playing with more confidence. I really do think now 
The defense just is playing. They're playing with swag. We haven't seen them play with confidence. Why would they have confidence? Well, no, and open There's field no tackles have, have been great. Yeah. They haven't missed tackles, I, and that fits perfect in what you're saying about confidence. Like, you've seen that on the field. Yeah. You're playing in, well, in space. Well, even in just Maryland, what did Tyler say the big issue was? We were playing slow. We were, we were reading too much instead of reacting. It just seems like the guys, they weren't playing aggressive. They didn't have an edge. And we didn't. We kind of tossed out San Jose State, and I watched it too. And they were they were great for San Jose State. They got the shutouts, which are rare on the Forty Acres. Trust me, I only had like six in my time on the Forty Acres. Three in my last year in two thousand two. We were a top ten defense, and you're seeing now. I think from that shutout, they got the confidence. And against USC, I think now that confidence grows exponentially because of who they performed against and on that big stage like USC. Dude, you could see a totally new defense in terms of the personality and identity. Uh, closer to what we saw versus USC in Big 12 play because they're playing so much more confident. The thing I took, Rod, from the San Jose game that carried over to SC was the way defensively the defensive line and linebackers fit the run. Front seven. Like man. that, it's just, and it's not doing anything fancy. It's I agree. Just, yeah, no it's, mistakes. It's what we saw from Todd Orlando's defense at UH. Granted, they don't have, have Ed Oliver. They don't have a war daddy in the middle of that defense. Malik. But you got two stud linebackers, yep. and, and defensive line-wise, if those guys just do their assignments, say, we're going to slant, we're going to create movement, we're going to count on penetration, killing the zone run game, which it can if if you're doing it right, mm-hmm. you're, you penetrate. Your, your gap integrity is good, then, you know, that's all it is. That's all it was. It wasn't anything. I don't think they drew up a great game plan. It, <laughs> See, Thank you, Muschamp. if everybody just listened to Coach Muschamp, <laughs> this world would be a better place. The middle's got to be here. Everybody see that. Gap control. Everybody just do right. your job. Understand that? The will fits here. The Bucks got to get flat. Everybody mm. just do your job. Um, but that's pretty much what it was. I saw I the agree two that really carried over. I think it's but just the motto and, of Long and, and one thing that, 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 that's also adding to the confidence factor because I think we both looked at it and said, man, schematically, they're not changing much. And even personnel-wise, I'm looking at personnel, they haven't, they haven't changed much either personnel-wise. Same starting group on defense all, all three games. Exactly. What has happened is not only the confidence but the repetition. Keep in mind, this coaching staff still doesn't know the personnel Except Devontae that Davis well. and Chris Boyd. But, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, he started the game because there was a no, no, violation Disciplin. of team rules or something, whatever. It is. But think about it. The coaching staff, they're just starting to get to know these players, how they play, what are their strengths and weaknesses, how to best utilize uh, the front seven, how to best utilize these players. And the players are still getting to know the defense. It's a new system for them, too. So I think the growth you could see on the defense side of the ball could prove me correct, even though I panicked on my prognostication that this could be the best defense in the Big 12. They have that type of ceiling. Mm-hmm. Now they're starting to look like that the last two weeks versus Maryland. I got to admit. I, I didn't. I think they had any shot. I think they were closer to being what they were a year or so ago or two years ago. Now, mm-hmm. confidence and repetition. You guys talked about it at home twenty four seven. Repetitions, repetitions. This this two week uh, basically where they had the bye week and then the Thursday night game. You'll see the most improvement you've seen on this team throughout the entire season because they'll have basically two weeks of like a mini off season, mm-hmm. a little two week spring practice, if you will. Yes, they have to play Iowa State. Yes, they have to, they have to game plan for but that. Ten days, ten days is yes. great disbursement. You just don't now. have that much time to improve in the offense, and they need it. We'll get to the offensive line. They need it right. basically to try to focus on that old line. But the so, defense is going to get much better. So sticking with that TCU Oklahoma State game, we take away the vertical passing game then. Go to quarterback play. And, Rod, you talk about Kenny Trill. I'll call him Kenny Chill because Kenny Kenny Hill is cool. He's confident. And mm. the one thing Kenny Hill has done, if you notice the difference in his game, it's not that he's making the spectacular plays that he was making early in his career at a and Something you talk about with guys as they get older. He's eliminating the negative plays. Mm, baseline is higher now. 
Exactly. And success that way. he took better care of the ball. We saw Mason mm-hmm. Rudolph be careless with the football at times and get frustrated and press a little bit. Yeah. And that leads me to the Texas quarterback conversation. We're going to kind of jump around here this week, folks, and kind of be hey, all over jump the place. So, a lot of cover. All right. We've got a lot of ground to cover, not a ton of time to do it in. But with the Texas quarterback discussion, Rod, mm. am I crazy when I say that we can and – I, and I, I'm a firm believer in this. Until Texas figures out who they want to be offensively, what the identity is, and Tom Herman said this week on the Big 12 call, that's one thing they really looked at in the bye week is, okay – what can we be with the personnel we've got? I know go. what we want to be, but that might not be what we can be. Agreed. What can we do with this personnel? You're going to be limited. Until you figure that out, the quarterback conversation is moot because those two things go hand-to-hand. That said, I think you can use both of these guys because the skill sets are different enough to where you can use both of them. I know two quarterback system to a Texas fan is nails on a mm. chalkboard, but they're different enough to make it work, I think. Think Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, not necessarily Sims Applewhite in terms of playing two quarterbacks. Agreed. But, Rod, am I crazy when I think, and I look at that TCU-Oklahoma State game, and turnovers were a huge factor in that game. Could Tim Beck and Tom Herman wind up going with the guy that they trust is going to take better care of the football? Because this is an offense that's had trouble finishing drives. Had, uh, they're one of the worst red zone offenses in the country. Mm-hmm. Maybe they like Shane Bouchelle's veteran presence better as a guy that can just protect the football and won't give it back. Because like we talked about last week, with if you got Michael Dixon in your back pocket, a punt is a good play for this team. Yeah, a punt is a good thing, especially if your defense is playing right well. And, and that's a big part that could ultimately dictate some decisions too. So I think Texas Tom Herman might be adopting the old Greg Davis. When I'm talking about Tom Herman and Greg Davis, kind of being on the same page mm-hmm. in terms of football minds. Tom Herman might be going back to the old Greg Davis thing. Rod, I know you heard this from him time and again. The goal should be to end every drive with a kick. A field goal, a PAT, or a punt, and every drive with a kick. Oh, I like that actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like Greg Davis. Too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's the most boring way to it have is. success. It's, really it's like you could get a hundred touchdowns, makes a lot of sense. That means but no finishes. turnovers, and which ends up us getting two out of those three are points on the board for Seven us. Some of her, ma- some of her major talk about all the time that yeah. he took from Greg Davis. Yeah, the goal a, should be to end every drive with a kick. It's a really good point. I think the concern would be, and you you pointed this out earlier at the beginning of your your spiel there, was that. The offensive line may dictate what your ceiling is with this offense and what your vision is. Because if say you want to have a more expansive uh, passing game conceptually, well, yeah, of course Shane Bouchelle is the better option at quarterback. Right. But if you can't protect Shane Bouchelle, right. All right, then there's no point in really having him out there if you can't protect him. He's going to get hurt again with a makeshift offensive line. So you may have to change your passing game conceptually to make it more high percentage passes, getting the ball out quickly to make sure that the pass rush doesn't get there. Expand your screen game. Expand your screen game. Then we start talking about the running backs. Well, okay, so is Sam Ellinger make the running game better? That's why you maybe should use both of them because he's a guy that can expand your running game, at least the identity on the ground. And then can you have more of a traditional running game with a Chris Warren, with a Kyle Porter, with this offensive line? Or do you need to be creative? Do you need to bring in Gerard Hurd? Does Sam Ellinger need to be a big part of the running game because you don't have the offensive lineman up front to have a traditional running game? That's Get my LJ concern. Get L.J. Humphrey more involved. Yeah, well, that's I'm- my concern is that you've got to be creative. And so these are all questions that we can't answer, but I think that he's had to answer in this, this bye week that they've had so far. And then when you add on top of that, everything not only involved directly with the offense, but indirectly, the correlations that come with your defense's performance directly affect 
yeah. your offensive performance. If you yeah. aren't getting stopped giving up points, then you're making your team be predictable. I have to pass from behind. It's not a situation this Texas team needs to be in, but if you can have a good enough defense Special that can be teams. aggressive, yeah. that you can be confident that then you narrow the game down by running the ball and not allowing Decrease as much the margin of an for error. Exactly. Yeah. So it all depends and intertwines with how well. So if the defense continues to perform, like you said, and you might be you a know, defensive oriented team. And then look exactly yeah. at what we've seen. At first, you're alarmed when you see week one, but now what? What happens whenever you get more information? It's just good info over time. It has a more accurate depiction. You look at the sample size. We've seen three games. If it keeps on going in that direction, you're trending in the right way. Now you're consistently performing. It's only going to build confidence, which allows you to run your offense. So, I mean, they could go with each other, but they easily can be abandoned when you're going again on the road. And with this team, remember how for years we've seen this group of kids not perform on the road. And if those things at Ames, especially. <laughs> These are the perfect letdown setup after yeah. a big performance when you built confidence. So you'll learn a lot from the team, but also, you know, first game of the year proved to us that no matter what happens, we aren't going to have a definitive idea of what this team is for a little while. You need at least uh, half the season before you can get a good idea about Yeah, that. I think Maryland got beat too. And did you say Kasim Hill got hurt? Yeah, yeah. Kasim Hill's done for the year with an So they got Pigron that tore an ACL versus Texas. The backup quarterback who ended up beating Texas too, he has ACL. Yeah. And Maryland lost again versus UCF. So you get, yeah, you're like, oh, Maryland's going to be a good team. They may have been if both of their <laughs> quarterbacks didn't get hurt, but they won't be a good team this year. So, yeah, that, that, that one loss to Texas is looking worse. But I'll say this. There's so many question marks now on offense, dude. I'm, I oh, am stressed line. out when I just think about how many questions on offense. So now, offensive line, you're down your starting right tackle, starting left tackle, and your backup right tackle. <laughs> At the, in, the, in the backfield, we don't even know who the best running back is or who they think the best running back is. I know I think it's Chris Warren, but the coaches think they're interchangeable. And if you go look at the leader in rush attempts through the first three games of the season, it's both quarterbacks yeah. and not even your top Because they don't have backs. confidence in that line yeah, exactly, to do anything. Right, or confidence in their running backs. We don't even know if that's the case either. They say they trust yeah. them. We don't know. And then on top of all that, and I think actually – this is crazy. I think there's, there's the least concern about the quarterback position, and yet we don't even know who is going to start yeah. a quarterback, the true freshman or Shane Bouchelle, the sophomore. But I think it's more concerned about the offensive line. I think that's the number one concern. Number two is, yeah, the running back position. How, how do you find someone you can trust there, and how do you build an identity around uh, guys you trust in that backfield, identify those playmakers, and then the quarterback situation. The only thing right now I have confidence in on that wide Texas receivers. offense, wide receiver. And it's also with Colin Tendi. Johnson, who's a monster. Yes. That, Drew Lieberman had a great stat. Says that right now, Colin Johnson through first three games is he's on he's on uh, pace to break the all time receiving single season receiving record set by Jordan Shipley in two thousand nine. He's fifty two yards ahead of it. He won't break it because he doesn't no. have a, he doesn't have Cole McCoy throwing him the football. Right. But just to be ahead of that type of pace, yeah. that dude's a beast. Right. He's a beast, and you gotta find a way to give him the football. And that's gotta be Shane Bouchelle doing it. Then maybe so because that guy right now he's the best player on that offense, and even right. close. Rod. I'm hung up on something you said a few minutes ago, and I want you to go into it. Because you, you know, we talk about, I know we have laughs at the expense of your NFL career sometimes, yeah. but you've been fortunate enough to be around some great offensive minds. And I'll throw Steve Mariucci in there because you don't, you don't Coast, get to, you know, Brett Favre will tell you how good of an offensive mm-hmm. mind Steve Mariucci is. And you've been around the Grudens and the Grudens. Shanahan's. Yeah. For offensive coordinators, how, to, kind of twofold question for you. How tough is it, one, for them to get away? And I'm going this from Tom Herman's standpoint, being an offensive mind. Mm-hmm. How tough is it for them to get away from the core of who they are based on their personnel, Ooh, number one? Yeah. And number two, how did those guys be creative 
mm. without getting too cute and too outside the box that you're just mm. flinging stuff against the wall? I, the first part of that question, it is very rare for offensive coordinators That's what I'm thinking, to, to right? get outside the box and get outside their comfort zone. That's what, what the big deal is right now mm-hmm. with the NFL and the quarterbacks and offensive linemen, mind you, right now, is that they have not found a way to successfully bridge that gap that disconnect, the miscommunication between the college uh, quarterback and the pro-style NFL quarterback. And a lot of it is because offensive coordinators are just so stubborn Mm -hmm. in the way they want to do things. They're not willing to adapt and evolve the offense or fit into the skill set of a certain player. Look at CBY's career or any other Watson. Yeah, so it happens. Um, You see a lot of that. Look at Gruden, even the Tampa Bay. He got a lot of flack for – Here's the way he handles the quarterback situation because he's a lot. It's a guy like the stockpile quarterbacks. He's uh-huh. obsessed with quarterbacks. So he brought in, you know, the Greasy and you know, he brought in Sims and he, he brought bring, in Ryan Leaf at Ryan, one point. He was bringing all these different Why guys not? because he was obsessed with trying to improve the quarterback position and that he could coach something out of those guys like Greasy and Sims and Ryan Leaf that nobody else could because I am the quarterback guru. The rest of those guys, they just, they're, they're sorry excuses for coaches. So there's a lot of arrogance with NFL coaches and coordinators. So I think it's very tough for them to get outside their comfort zone and try to tailor those off. We're dealing with that right now with Bill O'Brien and Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. All right? He's a, he, he loves tall, statuesque picture, you know, uh, pocket-passing quarterbacks, and yet now he has the dual-threat quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and he's trying to tailor that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really tough. I don't think offensive coordinators do it enough, uh, get outside their comfort zone. And – you know, to the point where how creative you have to get, I think you have to get extremely creative. Well, in Tom Herman's case, or in Tim Beck's case, I should say. And listen, is it Tim Beck or Tom Herman? <laughs> Can we discuss that? Yeah, I don't that, even. That's kind of the know. elephant in the room. I mean, right? I, I it goes through your headset. I know it does, Tom, because you're a broken windows coach who's obsessed with the, I don't know the, the, the urine the color of your players. So I know you know whatever play is going there, right. and I know you know the personnel that's that's getting the football, or at least that's involved on the play. So are we being too hard on Tim Beck? Tim Beck's not some rogue offensive coordinator that's gonna be like it, middle finger to Tom. I'm doing it my way. He's not that kind of guy. Yeah, he no. does whatever the hell he's told. He's Tim freaking Beck. Yeah, I, I've, I've, so this is Tom Herman's offense. Don't get him mistaken. I, I just yeah. think that also Herman, though he's allocated duties and he's talked about no, it. It's still no, it's no, no. I'm his just saying. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It. Of course, yes. Yeah. But every single play that's being called, it's not like Herman is vetoing. I know, but in the fourth quarter, okay. Tom Herman can go. We need to run the ball more. No, you're right. I would like to see Chris Warren get the ball more. These are things that are not plays. He said, "No suggestions that need to be set." I agree. He's a broken windows coach, which means he pays attention to the little small details. That's a little small detail. So I'm just wondering. See, I just think he felt he agreed with sort of what was going on with the QB. So, so, so he agrees. So yeah. he, my point is, he agrees with what's happening. He was like, oh, I, don't, I don't agree he with that. He said that, though, in, in the press conferences. He said that he has full confidence we need to get better, that he didn't like the performance, but he just, I guess. I think we're being too tough on Tim Beck. I yeah. think we're being too tough on Tim Beck. I, and I, I see, do. I'm the one that I, I'm defending I both think, of them. I, think, I, I haven't seen much to be I critical see, of I, the offense at if all. If I see the same trends versus Iowa State. Yeah. All right. About the running game and the abandonment of the running game and the lack of Chris Warren and things of that nature. I'm I'm going to stop talking about Tim Beck because it's Tom Herman. Let me, Tim oh Beck. yeah. They had and a last week, off week I to was defending right, them. Let me, let me I, I still agree with the game plan last week to not run Chris Warren. I think that was the smartest thing to do. But that's where when you dissect stuff from the past, it doesn't matter. We can just look forward to see how it will go. And like you said, you're going to learn a lot more the more that we get, other than these just basic two games to base everything off of. Let me yeah. throw this at you though, Rod. How much of it is Tom Herman? Not wanting to have second guessed 
and higher on his initial staff that he made. Mm. So he's not going to throw two well, that's under the bus. It's idiotic to even second guess him after three games. It's crazy. It is. I agree. Right, saying, but, but that's what that's but you're what the offensive coordinator at the University of Texas. If you don't want that kind of pressure, don't take the job. Well, no, it's no, it's not that it's that type of pressure. It's just that you can also say that and just leave it there. That no, I agree. Yeah. Listen, we've had a, we've had seven different play callers on the forty acres. Call them like just calling plays since two thousand ten. Nine offensive coordinators. Does that include Joe Wickline. That includes Joe Wickline. He's a nine offensive coordinators, but the seven play calls does not include him. But the point oh, being, geez. I don't know. I think Tom Herman's. A, I think he studies recent history on the Forty because I think he knows the offensive identity crisis, and part of that is because you've been bringing in new systems, new philosophies every other year, or every year, I should say, since 2010. So I agree with you. I think a lot, a big part of this would be him admitting that, damn, I made a mistake in my first hire. Man, can't even talk bad on Charlie. Charlie did, and I'm doing it too. Mm-hmm. I, so I think a lot of it is pride. I'm not going to do that. And to Matt's point, it's too early to do that anyway, yeah. because these guys are still the coaching staff, still gaining continuity, still learning the players. But Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj size, but man, it, there's a troubling trends developing within the offense, and you haven't established an offensive identity yet. It don't take. It shouldn't take three games to for me to see as a spectator what you're good at offensively. Right. And right yep. now, you ain't good at crap. You yep. don't do a damn thing really well. You're good at throwing, Colin throwing the jump is, ball to Colin Johnson. Colin Johnson is what you do really well. That's it. That's it. He's really That's good. It. Oh, he's really good, but yep. that's it. And I thought that before Williams went down, you had a chance to maybe run the ball, but after that, yeah, Colin Johnson, that's about all you had you in the game. you got to find a way to run the ball, man. They cannot be one-dimensional in the Big 12. The truth of the matter is Definitely. we all know that in the Big 12, either this defense is going to keep Texas in games and keep it close so that they can win with, you know, ball control uh, and taking care of the football, or they're going to outscore people. It doesn't look like this offense is going to outscore people. I wouldn't say that yet. Now, I would agree really? that. Well, I mean, all we've seen them do is a USC game. We aren't going to see a defense like that the entire season in the Big 12. Maybe TCU Oklahoma. might be as good as USC. Yeah. Maybe. Okay, so. And eight Oklahoma, out, Oklahoma could potentially so be as saying, good as USC. I'm just saying, in my opinion, yeah, I think there's easily eight games that you can. I mean, the whole Big 12's culture, you throw up 30, 40 points. So, I still think that there's plenty of time. There's. Nothing to be decided. My on thing yet. is in a track meet, Rod. Can this offense score for you? That's kind of what I'm saying. Like in a well, shootout, you can't win. All... In my opinion, you're gonna lose every shootout, so you can't make it a shootout. Yeah, you, you don't, don't want to depend on your defense, and me, you have to depend on your running game to run the ball and control the clock. Which brings me back to the other thing I wanted to talk about. Yeah. One of the other things I wanted to talk about with the Oklahoma State TCU game. You realize how much of an impact the rushing yardage battle had in all the games involving Big 12 teams. Hmm. You look at the way TCU closed out that game yep. against Oklahoma State. Darius Anderson, 106 yards. By the way, don't want to be the bearer of bad news or pull an open scab, but is this a bad time to mention that Charlie Strong staff evaluated running backs and preferred Kyle Porter over Darius Anderson? Ooh. Oh, well, keep this in mind. De- Deontay Foreman did not start a game in 2015, even though he led the team in rushing and uh, yards per carry. Yep. We got to go back down. So, they, yeah, so remember, they didn't like Deontay Foreman. They preferred Jonathan Gray over Deontay Foreman in 2015. So, we've admitted uh, they kind of stumbled into Deontay Foreman's they did. 2016 season. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so there's that. Uh, but I, I like the way TCU yeah. was able to close out that game against that was, Oklahoma that was strong. State and win the rushing battle yeah, by a large strong. margin. I'm trying to pull up my numbers strong. here, Rod, to see if I can uh, – yeah, no, I agree with you. Because, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a misconception that the Big 12 is a league that throws the ball all over the place. No, it's a spread it, league. It's a spread league. Yeah, it's so funny. We're listening but, to Baylor the other day, and they're like, oh, they're going to try to run the ball. It's like they've been running the ball for T- two years. TCU Good outrushed point. Oklahoma State 238-101. to 101. Mm. Oklahoma had 342 yards 
rushing against Baylor. Trey yeah. Sermon had 148. Oh, he's the true on 12 carries, and we Dude. saw how he ran. He's in the a fourth freshman, quarter, right? In the fourth to quarter, close that game Damn, out. Damn, he's nice. How was Kansas able to be within one possession of West Virginia in the fourth quarter? How about 11 a.m. at Manhattan? And how about Khalil, Khalil Herbert going Kansas. for 291 and K- KU rushing for 367? As a team, they rushed for over three hundred yards. That's what I'm talking about. These Big Twelve defenses, all numbers are so inflated in the Big Twelve. The one game in this league is so critical. Number one and number two. Here's a bye week stat for it. I know you like how I kind of go through my Russell Mm Crowe beautiful mind when I'm just kind of got the papers (laughs) thrown out all over the place. You realize in the six games Tom Herman has lost as a collegiate head coach. Oh, I saw this stat. It's a good stat. He's lost the rushing yardage battle in Every all of them. Time. Yeah, I saw that stat that you wrote up. You wrote it up That's last a good week. One. I think. It was good. That was good. And then you had, you went you took it further, right? In the I want to say um, you said in three of those. I want to say I, I make sure I get it right, but I think you took the stat even further that not only the six games that they lost, but in maybe three of those games that. They, oh, man, I'm gonna look it up. There, yeah, there were three games where he he won, where Tom Herman's teams won when they lost the rushing yardage battle. Oh, that's it. They but it was six ve- and three. But it was very close. They're they three were, and six. They were six. Yeah, three and three six. And it's six, like the one me, OU game six. when they tied yeah. with yardage. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. No, yeah, you're right. There were three and six. That's why you took the step. But it was very close. Like uh, I think it was the yeah. when they had over Tulsa last year that went down to the wire. Yeah. They lost the rushing yardage battle on that. Tulane last year was yeah. one where they lost the rushing yardage battle, and there was one more I can't remember. It might have been Vanderbilt or Louisville the mm-hmm. first year. Yeah, but that just shows you how important the running game is in this league. And you got to, it doesn't matter whether you're a spread team, you're a slot T team, you're an air raid team. You've got to be able to run the football if you want to win games. That hasn't changed since the beginning of time with this mm-hmm. game. Well, and you just pointed out, even for Tom Herman, it has been key to his success as a yep. head coach. It's been instrumental. So getting back to the conundrum, the mystery, why Texas either won't commit to a more uh, competent running game or they can't. So maybe they can't do it. And that's seven, teams, well, and seven teams in the Big 12 right now, Rod, ranked 60th or better nationally in rushing. That means seven teams in a 10-team league are in the top half top of the country half. in rushing yeah. offense. Yeah. Texas but is not one of those. I teams. really oh, think, though, when you – Oh, Texas is. Nice. Yeah, you well, get yeah. there for the 406 against San Jose. Well, you get there. I was and they say, yet to get credit for those, though, Oh, you too, mean when you gave Chris Warren the ball 16 times? Yes. Oh, okay. But see, and I think that that could easily happen for the rest of the Big 12 because, as you just said, with those numbers, we're looking at it as the offense doing that. But those defenses gave that – up and when you look at the way that stats work in the biggest games when you look over time it's normally by the bad defenses allowing it not the great offense achieving it so if you have a culture like even like you said maybe TCU better defense maybe OU I don't even think OU's defense would be as good as USC so when you look around is it going to be closer to San Jose State type of offense and when you look and see that if you well it won't be because you're missing Connor Williams you're missing yes. literally your best offensive so I think that's you're, why, not gonna, you're not going to be playing the worst team in yeah. FBS so it, it exactly won't, it won't so that that's offense. why I don't think we should be <laughs> deciding what this run offense is by the three quarters of ball once Connor Williams went out because we're going to be bad no matter what in those, yet that is making us feel as if they have no chance. I think these Big 12 defenses are so weak that as long as you are going to be at that average level, you're going to be able to run the ball in this conference. Well, I don't think, it, I don't think man, I don't think it's that. I think it's just the concern of how are you going to do well, it. I don't I, think it's a matter of agree. if they can. How can you do it consistently enough to Rod's point, and the point I brought up is, 
you're not going to be able to win games where it's 48-50. You're yeah. not going to be in those but games. thank you're God gonna... you've got these two 10-day weeks to at least, if it's the best time to have it happen, you have a 10-day week to work and then another 10-day week before you go into it. So, true. you know, I see a lot of bright side just because of the culture of the Big it's 12. More... And Texas's athletes are going to be as good as a lot of the teams are playing. That's so true. as long as they just meet their baseline, they should be able to put up and compete inside this conference. Because mm-hmm. this, I mean, we've seen this offense put up yards and points the last two years and they only I mean they had Deontay but they didn't have anything and no identity. Deontay more so uncertainty yeah. than despair. Yeah. If they had Deontay on his team do they'd be yeah. Maybe like a top twenty-five team almost like, easily because they had to beat Maryland. And that's what somebody, hell, so the I think, nation thought we were a top my, twenty-five team. Stupidly, my point. I think w- you're talking about identifying key playmakers, and when you lose a guy like Connor Williams, it, it mm-hmm. makes a huge difference on that offensive line. Offensive line is one of the few units in football where one that one bad wheel or it sees that one bad apple on the line mm-hmm. can truly be a detriment and to it, the entire. It unit. has been, and it has. Well, then I'm talking about Connor Williams. Who's even when you lost Las Rodriguez. So I am curious to see the creativity and the coaching and the personnel management of Tom Herman and Tim Beck with this offense now because I'm with you. I'm trying to figure out how they're going to solve the problem of establishing a running identity. Um, And I'm I'm curious to see how they're going to do it because right now, think about it, tight ends are gone too. Given that they had, you know, Andrew Beck or Andrew, no, they don't have Andrew Beck. Gary Gray, he's hurt too. They're missing three guys on the offensive line, and they don't know who's going to be the running back. So there's a lot of issues in terms of establishing a, you know, a physical running game, and I don't know how the hell they're going to do it. Yeah, it's in the gauntlet that you're going to be facing. We should give Tim Beck all the reason he needs to abandon a running game and just throw it all all day, every day. Well, thank God you get at least Iowa State and then a little bit more time. I was to throw it, but it's better than Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I'll say the story 45 feet at a time. The other yeah. rushing statistic, Rod, from the weekend. How about Texas Tech outrushing U of H 200 to 110? Went in there and beat up on Madger Applewhite. Yeah, they did. Um, the other thing I want to talk about from the TCU-Oklahoma uh, State game was it's what Matt was just talking about, the, the conception, the this misconception, I should say, that nobody in the Big 12 plays defense. But as we talked about, it's a different kind of defense. You've got to yeah. measure. There are different ways you measure defense. Agreed. And yeah. uh, TCU did that against Oklahoma State. Uh, what you got? You, you guys know in, in the Big Twelve to be successful, you got to play really good red zone defense. Mm-hmm. Got to get off the field on third First down. Got to maximize your turnover opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, TCU goes and wins the turnover battle, mm-hmm. four to one. Converts all of their turnovers into points. That's money. Oklahoma State goes six for six in the red zone. Three of those six scores were field goals, oh, which in this league is just as good as a stop. That's what I yep. yeah, It might as well be nothing in the Just Big go 12, for it man. on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> See if you get two touchdowns and then get stopped on the other one. Yeah. But, yeah, no. just going – I mean, you got to take those risks to get, steal those possessions. It's all about because it it's a possessions game now. And possession it doesn't points, matter man. how many plays. Like, remember we looked it down two years ago in Texas. It was dumbfounding how you could gain more yards per play, more points per play, everything in your favor except for you weren't the team running up the most place to wear down the defense I, that just supports every aspect of your offense. I, I, I just want to run this by you too, Rod. The last time Texas had a, a, a good defense, maybe even a borderline great defense, was 2014. Mm-hmm. That defense in the Big 12, which is the the best defense Texas has had kind of in the modern Big 12, uh, that year Texas ranked 19th nationally in red zone defense, 24 touchdowns allowed on 44 red zone trips. Yeah. Also had 22 takeaways, including 15 interceptions. Yeah, there you go. 
That's yeah. how you. That's how you play winning defense in the league. Yeah, it's I mean, it's high risk, high reward. Or how you get away with a bad defense? Have you watched, like, say, the Packers in the NFL? Horrible secondary at times. If you look at yardage given up and all these things, but what do they do? They also have guys that will steal possessions back. Mm-hmm. So if you know that you aren't gonna be able to stop them, at least take, take those risks yeah. and be able to then get that pick six or change that one possession that then you now are getting the positive result. It's going to outweigh those handful of plays that you actually got beat on. Well, that's what makes sense for Tartalendo because Tartalendo, that is his defensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. His defense philosophy is just that. It is to roll the dice. There, it's basically calculated risks he takes with his blitz packages uh, and with his players, and he is essentially – always game planning to force a turnover or to force a disrupted play, which is a sack or a tackle for loss. And that's, that's what, what they hold. Everything else he says, hey, man, it, it's, you know, we're going to get beat, but we're going to make more plays than we get beat. And right. that's the idea that's that the we, when we've seen the vertical element added in on the offensive side to different type of spread offenses, because it's funny how you were just saying right there that defense is sort of deciding upon risk, yet we've seen a lot of risk taken out of the offensive side. But the ones that maximize it are the the ones with the ability because anybody can keep it around the line of scrimmage to help the change prevent the turnovers and those things but what happened when you added that vertical element to some of these teams you become amazing offenses that set records okay so let's go ahead and wrap up the big 12 conversation with what we saw this weekend i talked about everything that everything that i saw in the oklahoma state tcu game kind of tie it into what texas needs to do i think you hit the nail going forward um talk about the oklahoma baylor game real quick and to me that game was more of I think that was kind of Baylor's last gasp, so to say. I think that was kind of their Super Bowl there. Baker Mayfield hey, got him riled up, though. Right, and maybe before the game he was talking trash, talking maybe, about I'm your daddy and all that. And maybe if we go, <laughs> if we can win this game, then maybe we can turn this thing around and start winning some games. I think that was every year, Rod, with with a team that ends up with a bad record. You kind of see that one game where it's like, wow, where did that come from? Kind of like we've seen from Texas the last few years. Very true. But I think that was that one game from Baylor. That was their best shot, and I don't know really where they might they have found their quarterback though. Yeah, Zach Smith's not a bad quarterback. Yeah, that, I mean, that's maybe a good thing coming out of that game for, for Baylor. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think Baylor is, after this, was it 0-4 starting now for them? Yeah. I think they're done. I think oh, yeah. That, yeah, I think the life will be sucked. But I, even though I like Matt Rule as a coach, I, I will do, say that I again. I'll double down on that. I think you get him some talented depth, as you call it, Jeff. I think in a couple of years Matt Rule's going to have that. I was impressed the way just Baylor played in that game because, I mean, they were, nobody <laughs> even gave him a shot. Did and, you, of course, not after the first three games. Did you hear that two weeks ago that Matt Rule did the uh, Oklahoma he did drill? It again. This week, did he do it again? Yeah, he's doing a pregame every time. He does time. a pregame Oklahoma drill every in the game. Of he's the done field. it since then. Yes, he does. Yeah. So he basically every does game, it every you know, game. It's a pregame thing. Dude, I've never heard of that before at a college or a pro level. Well, that's that's unbelievable. Like the I'm, trying think, I'm trying to think if we did that in high school. I don't think you do it. No. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't think we ever did it in high school. Yeah, I haven't seen anybody about, do they're it. They're trying to get that you know physicality re ingrained in these kids for the game. Yeah, because we talked about it on here a couple a team weeks that ago, doesn't, and done it every time. The, t- the team that doesn't have a lot of depth. <laughs> so, yeah, I was say, right. so he is sacrificing depth Everything. and wins for the mentality of physicality in the culture. He's like, you know what? We're going to be bad, but the the, the, the guys who are going to be here being bad, they're going to be some bad mofos who are going to pass down the culture yes. to the next group. So I, I get what he's doing. I've just never heard of him before. In the modern football world, like in the NFL, Man. that would be outlawed. Like, they're like, it would be crazy. Do that. This would be crazy. Did you guys see Jackie Chan's got a new movie where he's making bombs? I don't know why. I'm sorry to bring that up on the podcast. Is Jackie Chan the bad guy? I don't know. It's, he's making bombs and whatnot. No, Jackie Chan can't be a bad guy. He's never been a bad guy in a movie. Look how old he looks. He's with Pierce Brosnan oh, yeah, in a movie. He's, he's got to be. He, oh, the movie's called The Foreigner. Of course it is. That's so awesome. <laughs> People are going to boycott like a, it now. <laughs> ah, The Foreigner. 
that up. At least it's accurate. It's not like <laughs> that the Mexican me, with Brad Pitt. One of one of Rod B's Rod B's movie rules. If Fifty Cent's in your movie, then it's not a good movie. Oh, it's not a good movie. Sorry to tell you, Fifty Cent. Curtis Fifty's in your movie. Yeah, which bad. hurt me because he was in that movie with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. It was a movie that that he was in with them. Oh, Righteous yeah. Kill. Yes, yeah, and no I thought clue. it was gonna be so good. I was like, but Fifty Cent's in it. Oh, damn. Damn. It's gonna be terrible. It sold it up. <laughs> it was just like that uh, that Stallone movie where he's got to break out of the prison that's on the ship. Oh, with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think he was. Yes, I was watching that in the window. And, I watched that movie, dude. And I was like, Fitty's like the computer guy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's right. I want to rob these rules. Fitty was like the cute. And I, I don't know why bad. I read Redbox that damn movie. Yeah, I still haven't can, seen a 50 Cent movie. I am I so think. easily suckered into movies, dude. If you get a few like guys, like, yeah, if Sylvester Stallone's in it and Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it, I will watch it. I don't care how corny it is. I'm just one of those If guys. you own more than one uh, version of The Expendables, does that make you kind of <laughs> subject to. Oh, I don't own it, but I've seen every Expendables. I've never I'm seen one. I know a fan too because you like these random action Stone movies. Stone Cold Steve Austin was in the first one. <laughs> yeah. They basically get every action movie guy ever and put him in there and still alive. You still yes. alive? You were actually, I think Jean Claude Van Damme. No, I remember when I a- saw a preview, <laughs> I thought it was fake. I was like, what is this? I asked my brother, like, what are we? What, what yeah. is it? And he's it's like, like an yeah, SNL skit or something. Yeah, they just kept coming in. It's like a clown car. <laughs> Throwing, right. throwing Steven Seagal and Wesley Snipes. And, oh, God. That and, was a oh, rule of my youth. Oh, Steven Seagal was in it, wasn't he? That was, was one it? I would oh, never see. Oh, my God. They forgot all those guys were in it. Vin, does Vin Diesel in it? Growing up, uh, when I was 12, I realized. They can't afford The Rock or Vin Diesel because of the Fast and the Furious <laughs> franchises. That's really what it is. They can't afford them. I've never seen a Vin Diesel movie. Right. So What? Yes. Okay, sorry. Let's, let's get back to this. You've never seen yeah. Triple X or no. Fast and the Furious? No. You've never seen one Fast and Furious? No. Dude, there's like 13 of them. I know. What the hell? I wasn't inclined to see the first, and I haven't been inclined to see all thir- the wow. Baker's dozen. I was, a, I, was a junior, I, never, I was a junior in high school. Thank the first you. one came out, and then everybody was convinced, like, hey, man, we're all going to buy Honda Civics. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And racing down yeah. the country roads. My, I guess my palate had matured. My palate had matured as a young kid, I guess. Okay, well, yeah, I was not appealed. We'll get, we'll get past it, but the best ones are, like, the first two or three, and then, like, the <laughs> last four have been the best ones. And then they've been, like, eight of them. We might, uh, we might have to have Rob and Matt sit down and watch that together. So that would get, be great. So we can get Rod B's retro oh. blackbuster movie review. Yeah, we make Matt watch one every week. A level <laughs> of po- yeah, there, I probably could find a level of humor in there. I probably would enjoy oh, it. Oh, that's funny. You know what we should do? We should make a list of movies that we haven't seen. We should all make it a point to watch. Oh, one and then give us a review. Harry Potter and a review on it. Oh, that's a good idea. You've never seen Harry Potter? Either? No. Okay. You know what? We gotta talk football because I got, I can talk all day about what movies Matt has like, not you know seen. What I that's you know what, what I have What I yeah. just realized like when uh, a couple weeks ago. That I haven't seen. What? I've never seen Raging Bull. Wow, that's now that's Jake, a sin. That's Jake a great Romano? movie. He I passed just, away. Yeah, that's right. He I passed away. I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, I've never seen Raging Bull. I own it. I guess I should, I should lend it to you. That's crazy. You've never yeah. seen that man. You're yeah. a sports guy too. Unbelievable. That's old unbelievable. school. All right. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Back guess. to the Big Twelve. So <laughs> we talk about Baylor's last gasp. Oklahoma kind of doing what championship teams do, right? Be some weeks when it's not clicking, man. You just got to find a way to survive and move on. Yep, Baker on the road. Mayfield, man, he just impresses me. He's there, awesome. There's those players that play for teams that are like rivals to whatever team you have. And say, for you, a Cowboys fan, you know, you hate the Giants and you hate the Eagles. Longhorn fan, you hate the Sooners. But there's always that one. You hate the Aggies, too, probably. Mm-hmm. There's always that one player on that opposing team, your rival, who you just find a hard time hating. You find a hard time disliking them. Oh, yeah, that's Kind of like something about them. Baker Mayfield is, is that for me. Yeah, I, I love him. 
I yeah, like it's, no, it's even hard since for me to you, dislike him. I remember being there the first it's game when he was in high school because it was after Garrett Gilbert and you had and he wanted to be a Longhorn. What was going <laughs> to happen out at Lake Travis? You know how their quarterback yeah. situation. And they had moved this kid. He was a safety running back. I think his name was Gribble or something. They thought he might be the quarterback. Gribble? Could, yeah, that oh, would be funny. That's how you Anyways, know you a guy that's going to beat <laughs> So he, this kid gets hurt like immediately, and they bring in Baker Mayfield in the first. And I mean, I had never seen a kid just come in out of nowhere just a scrawny little junior and he threw for like 495 yards and like six touchdowns and they immediately moved that kid back to safety and running back and every time I've heard from him or seen him it's like he just steps on the stage and is the best player around without anything happening it's it's been unreal Baker Mayfield is the guy he's he's got that Christian Leitner effect to me if he's on your team you love him if he's playing against your team you can't stand the guy. Well, and then oh, and some of that too. But it, I have a hard time. See, I him, love man. him. I he, don't even. About, I enjoy everything about on, him. Uh, basically, was the best player at Texas Tech. They wouldn't give him a scholarship. He leaves there, goes to Oklahoma, gets a scholarship, walk on. and now as a walk now has been to the Heisman. What twice now? Yeah. I don't know. I just, Unbelievable. I, just, it, I find it a hard time. And he plants a flag in the middle of the Ohio State field. Yeah. I think, planted a flag on the turf field. Central Texas. Right. Talks Lake trash Travis. to Baylor. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna, I listen. I hate to say it as a long one. I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. Oh, I am too. All right, put it out there. Screw it. At least he's Austinite. Screw it. You know, there you go. My only my only take on Baker Mayfield is you don't want him planting the flag, even though again he did plant it on a turf field where the flag couldn't go in the ground. I mean, he's but, he went to Texas Tech in Oklahoma. So you don't. Like, yeah. like oh, did you see him run from the cop? Yeah, he ran from the cops and got two feet away before. Yeah. Like, he got lucky. He almost didn't get his head speared into those stairs. You don't that want him. You don't video. want him planting the flag. You don't want him talking trash. Stop him. Yeah, I, I'm really interested to see what his NFL career is going to look like. I wonder, He's one of those guys I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with him. Yeah, because he has a better durability and body type. I mean, he's a guy like, uh, you know, his athleticism is only going to help him. Yeah. So Oklahoma survives. We talked about TCU, Oklahoma State. Kansas plays West Virginia tough. Matt, you mentioned it, the 11 a.m. game in Lawrence. Oh. Mm-hmm. where You know, teams go to get woken up and to wonder what the heck is going on with yourself. you got to reevaluate everything after. KU plays you close at home in one of the worst road environments. One of the worst road environments, one of the best home environments in college football because nobody <laughs> wants to play. I've said that for years Well, it depends on his basketball or football. Well, and that was one that if you followed the lines late in the week and early Saturday morning, I know this sounds weird, but it's really one of the best ways to look at it. If a team starts, to, if they're already favored, and then starts to just have the points go up for no reason. Like, you, they jump on and a ton of people are jumping on. That means that the public is on them and go against them to where by Saturday morning, everybody that follows any type of numbers are like, oh, wow, a game in Kansas could be a lot closer than everybody takes. you got to take those points. It doesn't make sense if all the money's coming in one side and yeah. then it's still going up and yeah. it's going against the trends of the reverse line movement. And that one was a perfect one. And then us being Big 12 people just knowing, oh, they're going to play Kansas it's at 11, 11 a.m. game. The best that's where the sharp the is, league, but man. the public okay. is like they're going to go and kill them, and then that's a perfect 11 setup. 11 a.m. in Lawrence, Kansas, nobody cares. Nobody wants to be there. It's the right. environment's awful. It's true. You're still rubbing the sleep out of your eyes yeah. at kickoff. You under you underestimate them because everybody exactly. does because they're Kansas. They should be underestimated. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the point. I'm on that. Um, so, yeah, and then Texas Tech beating U of H, man. That was, that was a nice, big. That was a nice that, win for, that was, for the that was Red big. Raiders. They've still got some issues they've got to work out, but 
Rod B, that's a nice road win, man. It's, it's, it's one of those great recruiting win. wins and the recruiting war for Texas Tech because, you know, everybody wants to recruit uh, Houston if you can. You can have a big game in Houston, win, beat U of H with all their momentum in terms of uh, them trying to put their stamp on that city. That's a big win for the, Cliff the, Kingsbury Texas this Tech. This could end up being the kind of the thing that saves Cliff Kingsbury's job. Yeah. Not kind of. It could be when you look at Baylor, Baylor being down. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the next game for Tech, though, they got to go to Lawrence. So that could be one of those games that you look at and say, well, I don't know what they're going to do. They get Iowa State at home, so they don't have to go to Ames. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to beat the better teams in the league, but they could be he seven. Just needs, I'd say he needs seven wins to save his job. That's about it. If he's under seven, then people will start. There will be questions they're about six this. They're six and six. I agree. Yeah, yeah, right? I think they're winning seven games. He's got to get that one big win, though. And maybe you eventually that big win. And they don't even mention Baylor being down. Yeah, he's got to get that one big win. I don't know who's maybe U of H was that big win. I don't know. Like I don't, I don't know what the, what the expectations are in Lubbock. You know I think if you maybe you beat you beat Texas the day after Thanksgiving if you can pull that. Oh, off. you beat Texas is always a big win. Remember we we said being Texas is always a win that'll save your job or get you a yeah. contract extension. Remember the, the Iowa State when Iowa State coach get fired after they beat Texas? Yeah, no, bro. It was Charlie Weiss. It was, no, it was Charlie Weiss. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, no, no. Yeah, Charlie Watts got fired well, the day after Texas beat KU. I think you're right, Rose. No, no, no. No, no. Iowa State actually, yeah. I want to say Iowa State beat Texas one year and he got fired. Oh, yeah, 2015. Yeah. Yeah, we always said that if you that's beat Texas, it'll save your job. And that's how we knew Texas was truly, was done. had truly fallen off. Because they could beat Texas and people, Iowa State were like, so? We don't yeah. give a damn. Texas sucks. So yeah. that's how we knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. that's when you know where you're right. going. He didn't even get fired. He beat oh, Texas. And I mean, I was on that. It's the only time I went on a trip and just seeing that team after that game in 2015 in the airport, Charlie Strong getting out. Like, it was the most defeated, just totally oh, yeah. inflated. Every, they got shut out. It's <laughs> midnight. We're on a tarmac. The whole airport's closed and we're just waiting for the team to come through. And that just must have been one. Yeah. And then that was, wasn't that the flight when they almost died or whatever? They almost had a wreck on the way down? I think so, that yeah. was the quote. Yeah, because then they, on the way home from that, had turbulence. <laughs> and Tim funny. Cole says he thought he was going to die or somebody. Yeah, it was <laughs> absurd. Funny. It was crazy. Well, and it was on Halloween Eve right after all the floods here two years ago. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway. Not Craziness. Yeah, yeah, Matt and I were both in Ames the last time Texas was there, which yeah. is where the Longhorns will be on Thursday. Ricky things happen in Ames, man. They do, man. And I think this road, you know, I agree with Todd Orlando, man. I think the road environment is going to be it's going to be, be electric because it's, be tough. it's Thursday night. There's not a lot to do in Ames, Iowa. It's Texas. It's a nationally televised game. They kept track of stuff Tom Herman said about what it's like to live in Ames after yep. he left mm-hmm. when he was the OC there under Paul Rhodes. Uh, so, why did he say that was so bad, by the way? I think it was just kind of. Why did he say that was so bad? I don't even know what he said. Can, do you have the quotes? No, I don't have a quote in front of me. It was something to the you effect paraphrase of. Cornfields and nothing? No, something to the effect of like. Someone's asking about the weather. It's like, you think that's bad? Try being in Ames, Iowa in January or something yeah, like okay. that. This is way better. Quit it's being butthurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's so funny. I'm not saying it's not. Okay, I'm just okay. saying. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they need bullets and more That's kind of like, yeah. we're allowed to make fun of where we live, but you're not allowed to. Good point. I can make fun of my mama. You can't. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those deals. But uh, hmm. Texas going to Iowa State. The, Rod, there's some statistical things that jump out at me in this game. Really, two. One. The matchup of the Texas defensive line versus the Iowa State offensive line. This is an Iowa State offensive line. It's good, man. It's given up one sack in yeah, three games. It's good. And they've given up, I believe, 11 tackles for loss over three games. They're top yeah. 10 in the country in sacks allowed and tackles for loss allowed. Yeah, it's a good old so line. They're, they're protecting Jacob Park, and they're doing a pretty good job. The run game numbers aren't quite there. but they got a special running back to David run behind. Montgomery's really good. Third to Big 12 in, yeah. in rushing yards per game at 107. And then I talk about Texas red zone offense. Iowa State's one of the worst red zone defenses in the country. They've allowed every time an opponent has gotten in the red zone against Iowa State, they've scored 
11 red yeah. zone tries, 11 scores. Wow. Nine of them have been touchdowns. Aren't they really bad at third down defense, too? Not really bad, but that's another place right. where – but they're not great. To me, that's that's where this game is is won in my mind. And I don't know, maybe it's me just looking at the numbers and saying, boom, this is it. But Texas red zone offense, because Iowa State's red zone defense, number one, and then the Texas defensive line against the Iowa State offensive line. If if, if that Texas front can get pressure on Jacob Park, can get penetration, get them into bad, unfavorable down and distances on third down, Texas has a chance to win this game. Not just cover, but win it maybe comfortably. Yeah, uh, I'm with the, uh, David Montgomery. I watched a little film on him. Man, he is uh, he's a decent, he's a really good back. Yeah, like he's very elusive. Uh, he could break tackles. So going back to that linebacking core we talked about earlier in the show. All right, Malik Jefferson, Anthony Wheeler, who are playing some of the best football we've seen. Both of those guys play since they've been on four days, especially since they've been playing obviously in this Todd Orlando uh, defense together. I think the game will come down to kind of that linebacking core versus David Montgomery on the backfield of Iowa State. If they can stop uh, Montgomery, they can stop the uh, the running game, make them more one dimensional, put the ball in the hands of Jacob Parks. Now he's actually a a much better passer than people would give him credit for. Um, and he has Alan Lazard. He's got a target to throw to. He's one of the better targets in the Big 12. But I'll say Texas defensive pass rush, if they if they can make them one-dimensional like they did versus USC, I think Texas uh, defensive front seven can eat. I'll, t- uh, I'll tell you what I like. I like what Todd Orlando said after the SC game when he talked about, and, and I got a story on Malik Jefferson and Anthony Wheeler that's up on the site right now. Talking about the linebacker production in Todd Orlando yeah. when he was really good at U of H, the linebacker production from really from the, the Mac linebacker, Rover, which is Wheeler, and the yeah. Rover, which is Malik Jefferson. Yeah. Those two positions produced a lot. And Todd Orlando said, really, the four positions that make this defense go, and think about who had big games against SC the Rover, the Mac, the Nickelback, the boundary safety. I was going to say the safety position, yeah. So you've got Jefferson and Wheeler coming off their best game as a tandem. You've got PJ Lott coming off his best game, and you've got. Doesn't matter who's playing the boundary, who's playing the field. Deshaun Elliott and Brandon Jones both played very well against Southern Cal. Deshaun Elliott had his best game we've ever seen him play. But, Rod, that goes back to something we talked about. We talked about a lot Mm -hmm. in the history of this show, the central nervous system of your defense. Right up there, man. It's the communication center. That's where all the checks are made, the audibles are made. That's who sees the offense. Those guys have a better – um, they, they have a better view to process the information and to get a jump on what the offense is doing. So and I and Puna Ford. I mean, we can't talk enough about him, but Puna Ford played his best game. Played his best game, and in Tom, Tom Herman Tarlando seeing his praises. So if you look at that central nervous system, we talked about that with the 2011 defense of Manny Diaz's first year that was really good. 2014 defense Vance Bedford's first year that was really good. Go look at the central nervous system of those defenses, uh, and they were really really good in the interior, inside linebacker, safety, uh, D tackle. I think you might have the same thing going on with this group here, uh, and I, I actually I think that that might be the strength of the team is right up the right in, in the in, interior of the defense. I'm not ready to go all in on Puna Ford like being an NFL guy. No, 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 I like that, but, but like he is one of their better defensive line. Right. Yeah, that's my yeah. And, and if he just, I'm not saying he's got to play like he did against SC every week, Man, but he's, he's got he's got to provide a presence at yeah. nose. He can't just be there. Yeah. You would, you would like you would like one of those guys on the defensive front to demand a double team, right? If possible, that's not happening right now. Right now, I don't think any of them demands a double team. But the way Charles and who played in that game, Malcolm Rhodes, Puna Ford, who knows? Depending on the matchups. Rod, the thing that concerns me with Iowa State's offense, we talked about the offensive line, their ability to protect Jacob Park, who was a highly recruited quarterback coming out of high school. He was at Georgia, and then he transferred out into but Iowa State. The thing that concerns me is the Texas corners in man coverage against these Iowa State receivers. And not so much against Holton Hill, but it's you've got two six 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 five receivers on the yeah. outside for Iowa State, 
at some point one of those guys is going to get matched up on a cornerback not named Holton Hill. Agreed. That's the matchup that, not to channel my inner Mac Brown here, but really scares you to death. I agree. For for somebody other than five to be on an island. I said it versus USC. I don't know why USC didn't attack Chris Boyd more. I would have. I, well, it, they started it, too later in the game. They started too well late. Like I said, late in the game. I did. I done to start off the game. Like I really, mm-hmm. Dante Davis was in there for the first like series. I would have been like, uh, check, check, <laughs> check, check. I mean, what the hell? I, I, seriously, yeah. I don't understand it. So I'm with you. I, I go into game plans for football games, kind of like Belichick does. I'm a game plan offense or a game plan defense. I'm gonna point out the weakest link in that chain. We're going after that guy all day, every day until you prove otherwise. And then I'm gonna figure out the second weakest link on the chain. And then when you adjust to the other guy, I'm going after your second weakest link. That's how I come up with game plans. Everybody doesn't do that, but I would if I'm if I am Iowa State and I'm in the passing game, I'm attacking Chris Boyd. Yeah, I'm gonna figure out tons of ways to do it. Um, whether I gotta put motion to 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 to, to solidify or identify if they're in man coverage or in zone coverage. But once I identify that that guy's in man, he's playing man to man. I'm going to Chris Boyd. Not that he's been totally incompetent or inept. But he is the weakest link right. in that defense right now in the secondary. And Texas saw, I mean, in that USC game in the first quarter and a half, I remember noticing like three or four, may, might have been five throws, that if they're on the money from Darnold or weren't drops, that Texas would have been burned for big true. runs. So yeah. I think they might have been doing that. Texas just benefit the variance of luck where you can be beat, and if the quarterback just misses it or if he drops it, Good point. That it's the same football play. The same thing happened, yeah. just a different result. Don't be result-based, be process-based. So that was a little alarming. The good thing was is in that game, it was like, oh, I'm feeling good right now. Texas, it's scoreless. It's getting closer to the end in Agreed. that game. Can't let that happen against Iowa State. Yeah. The second they played well versus USC, but I just wanted to point that out. We've got a couple minutes left. Rod, the Texas offense against the Iowa State defense, to me, I don't think it's a matter of anything schematically Iowa State's going to do. I just think it's can Texas find a way to line up and run the football because when we talk about this Tom Herman mm-hmm. offense, we talked about just the numbers and the trends. It's pretty hard to be a power spread offense without the power element. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's about you know? impossible. <laughs> or it's just quarterback right. power. Exactly. Might as well break out the Mike Leach playbook then. Exactly. It's a spread offense. I agree with you 100%, man. And that's, that's the conundrum. I, I don't know. I haven't really figured out how they're going to do it. You know I don't I mean? either. I'd, I think you. I think I heard you. Maybe uh, either I heard you say it or I read it on Horns Twenty Four Seven in one of your columns. If they're going to try to do more twenty personnel, two backs in the backfield. I would like to see Porter, them do that. Maybe you'd like to see. Okay, I would too. Then they they little Jordan Humphrey. They've experimented with that a little bit. That may help you in your pass protection without a tight end, though. Yeah. you know what I mean. Because I think you, that's what you got to ask yourself. What's and I know everybody wants Reese Lato or Cade Brewer to to be in there more, but yeah, you got to think if they're not if they're not on the field, then that means the staff doesn't think they're ready. Yet. So that way you got to that, that means you've got to determine as a in some of your protection schemes, is it better to have Kyle Porter on the field than one of those young tight ends? Agreed. Right? It probably is. Might if be. you can have some match protect situations with you can run twenty personnel with hell on third down, run it with Porter and Humphrey, and you can change looks and keep Kendall Moore Ooh. in as a tight end and, and release Porter Humphrey and, late and max oh, protect. There's a lot of different things you can do, but that goes back to what you pointed out earlier, this had to have been an 11-day period where Tim Beck and Tom Herman really got in the lab and said, work. okay, yeah. here's what we got. We don't have a waiver wire. We don't have any red shirts we can pull off anybody. Agreed. This is what we got. What can we go do to make it work? And as far as the run game goes, and, and I know we got a limited time. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Right, it doesn't seem like this is an offensive line that zone blocks very well. No, that's uh, we saw that in the Maryland game. Yes. Because in the Maryland game, 
they did this kind of it was this mashup. Sometimes they were doing kind of straight ahead like le- uh, power and um, some of the counter stuff. But then I think they 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 felt outmanned at one point or outmatched on the D line, yeah. so they ran a lot of the zone uh, blocking schemes, and it did not work out well for them. So I think that's the only time I've seen them kind of do both of them. And against San Jose State, maybe we just throw that out. Uh, and against against USC, I mean, but against San Jose, they did. And granted. You're, they did more of the lead, the power. I don't want to demean anybody, but you're going from your left tackle being Connor Williams to Tristan Nicholson, so there's something missing there. But they did have more success, it seemed like, with some of those pin and pull concepts where you're caving down on the front side and a backside guard or tight end yeah. kind of pulls and leads away. And if you, you know, Jake McMillan and, and Kendall Moore, they're athletic enough guys to where yeah. you can have them do that. So I just think, and I'm I'm not trying to be some kind of X's and O savant or genius or anything. No, but, but you're right. right. I think in instead zone blocking, of Having a man-to-man up somebody and beat somebody straight yeah. up like you would have if to. If you can and, and, in a man-to-man and blocking zone team. blocking an area, I don't think that's something yeah. this offensive line hasn't shown they can do. So maybe you do some more pin and pull type stuff with your counters and your powers yeah. that you can create you know, movement one way and create some angles and backs can go off of that and get the linebackers flowing a different direction, See, maybe some misdirection run. Well, you, and you just, you're, now you're, you're talking football and you're starting to kind of talk yourself into it. And I hope, you know, obviously I hope. I know Tom Herman and Tom Baker are having the same discussions. I'm with you misdirection, anything to throw off the pursuit of that D-line. Right. So you may need to start throwing in a ton a of misdirection. Of yeah, which is why the 20, 20 personnel works good with two backs because it's like what Maryland did versus Texas. How do you miss up those linebackers? Hell, you have those backs crossing the backfield. Little Man. play action fake in the backfield. Stalls them just long enough where they can't pin their ears back and come after your quarterback. Then you can go uh, play action pass with you know max protection. There's a lot of different things you can do. We're not going to go X's and O's nerd talk here on the show, yeah. but there's a ton that can be done. It's that old school cross buck run game. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just as a defender, it makes me look at more things and process more information. I got to go, what the hell? Oh, what do you do? Who's up the ball? Oh, oh hell, I'm going out. I mean, there, it, it, that half a second is going to take me to process who has the ball, to process that misdirection. Mm-hmm. That may be all you need for your offensive lineman to shield me or get in my way to help block me. These are things that are subtle. They're subtle little details, but they're, they can be huge. Just a good example of what you're saying, too. If you watch NFL this past week, the Chiefs, what they've been doing this year is just unbelievable. Oh, see, when, when you see Tyreek Hill and Albert Williams, Wilson yes. coming behind them. Kareem they'll Hunt. Kareem Hunt will be running like a pitch action while there are yeah. two guys jet motion. Yeah, and then they'll have the option not only to have the two jet sweep guys and that, but then they'll shovel yeah. pass it to Kelsey coming against the grain in front. So you have four actions right there. Happening and yeah, all in, one all in the backfield all in at one the same motion. time. Yeah. And then you still have the other activity. But just watch some of the touchdown. Watch no, no, a couple watch of the, the plays of the Chiefs. It's and insane. I won't say I've never seen anything. Because I agree. Evolution of football, like you were saying, Andy. The best Reed, minds. Oh my God! Andy Reid's doing the best job of any offensive coordinator of in the NFL of evolving his philosophy to fit this quarterback's transitioning and these spread babies from the college system. And you know why? I keep awesome. this in mind. People didn't bring this up. Do you remember what is his name? Um, the Chris Alt. Yeah, Nevada, Nevada. For, from a Nevada. Pistol I think he's coming from in Europe now. Performing Nevada head coach who came up with the, the uh, came with the pistol formation. He was with Kansas City for the last three years. Not with them now. For the yeah. last three years. And you know why he was with it for three years as a consultant? Because Andy Reid wants to know every damn thing he knew about that pistol offense. Now everything. they've been running, they've been running diamond formation with the Chiefs. Dude, they're doing yes. so they're doing some they're doing all these all these college. So much concepts. clutter, like you're saying, but the example of it's exactly. perfect. And you know what you know why they're doing it? Because they're tailoring that offense for when Mahomes gets in there. Yeah. It, oh, it's going to hit. It's going to it's going to be so much better than it is even with Alex Smith there. That's yeah. he's killing it. Completing like seventy seven percent of his passes, he's killing it. But that is the key. So I agree with you. 
if I was like, if I was Bill O'Brien, I would take that Chiefs playbook right now and just start making it with the show. And look Watson. at that architecture, like knowing that your pieces fit your offense, that you target guys like Hill yeah. and Hunt and Mahomes to fit this. It's it's awesome to watch. Okay. All right, let's do picks and stuff a different way this week. We'll get Texas Iowa State out of the way first, and then we'll get to everything else. So. I guess I'll. I, n- I never started off, so I guess I'll no, no. start off this week. I've got Texas winning this ball game. Last I saw, Matt, a four point spread. Is that where we're still at? Uh, Texas right favored now? by six and a half. Ooh. Six and a half? Yeah. Nice. All right. Five and a half. So then I'm taking the Cyclones to cover. I'm taking Texas 31 27. Ooh. Man. Yeah, I guess Cyclones have a two and one record. The Longhorns have one and two record. I will go with. Are we actually picking a line here, too? You don't have to, but you can if you like. Jeff, put some pressure Your on score already will dictate it. I'll just tell you if you cover okay. it or not. Uh, well, I will go with Texas winning this game. I'm going to go with uh, a low-scoring one. Uh, even though I think uh, Iowa State scored four, at least 40 points in every game so far this year. I will go with the Longhorns winning 34-27. to 27. Yeah, man, you're almost spot on. I'm in the exact same ballpark. I got t- uh, Longhorns winning 34-31. Ooh. All right, Matt, how did we do last week? Oh uh, well, I did very well. I was four and one. I Rod took it in the beat. shorts. I know. Yes, you were one and four, <laughs> and then uh, Rod was two and three. So man, now I'm it. twelve and eight on the year. Rod's eleven and nine, and Jeff is eight and twelve. All right, I'm not gonna panic though. Man, A&M screwed me, and there was a couple other ones in there. Of that, course A&M screwed me. Yep, I was the only one that took the eggs last week. Notre Dame-Michigan State got me, too. Yep, that was God. a nasty. I, I I do not like Notre Dame, but they were able to take care of that one. Let's go on and look at the first game. USC against the Fighting Mike Leeches up in Washington State. That's in Ooh. Pullman, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah. USC's going to win that game. Yeah, three-and-a-half no point favorite is USC. USC's going to win that game. And they'll win it by more than three. You'll take you'll take USC and you'll take the points. All right, I'll take USC by more than three. By okay. minus three and a half. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll go with the Trojans. Yeah. Yeah, USC's gonna win the game. Yep, I'm going USC also. Yeah, no Thought there was a chance it could go It'll the be other a fun way. Game to watch though. Yep, and aren't many other real close ones, but this one's a cool one. We talked about them already. Uga, Georgia, and Tennessee. Who you got? Georgia. 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 All right. <laughs> Nobody trusts Tennessee, dude. No, Nobody Butch Jones. That guy just is fun to watch. <laughs> Butch <laughs> Jones is talking about, like, media rules and fake news and his press conferences. Yeah. And Butch Jones is lost. Butch it, Jones is, done. like, just Get straight done, out of son. a cartoon. He really is. It doesn't look real. He should be chasing Elmer Fudd and Wiley Coyote. <laughs> but it's Iowa and Michigan State. Who you got? Man, that just sounds Iowa, disgusting. Iowa Michigan State. That does sound disgusting. You know Iowa what? State played Iowa. Iowa tough, didn't it? Yeah, but Iowa played Penn State yeah, tough. Where is this game, man? Is this in East Lansing? Uh, Mich- yes, Mich- East Lansing. Um, man, I haven't watched a lot of Both teams State coming either. off of tough games. I haven't watched any. Um, um, you know what? I'll go with Iowa. I'll go with right. – I'll take Iowa. Greg Davis. Greg, Greg's not there anymore. Oh, he's not there anymore. But he laid, the, he laid oh, the foundation. Oh, my God, he did retire. He put the ingredients in the oven. Is this true? <laughs> 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 they're, they're, they're the, the cake is baked yes, already. He's got to put the frosting on with Greg Davis. I'll go with – uh, I'll go with Michigan State then. Yep, I'm with Rod too. Okay. And then the last one's going to be Clemson at Blacksburg, Virginia Tech. Clemson, Give me dude. Clemson, but that yeah. could be an ugly game. Yep, we're all on the same page. So basically, the only difference is going to be me and Rod on Michigan State to Iowa. So that's Come the whole week. On Hawkeye! Now, man, I the most have... boring game of all of college football this week, and it will decide. Who I've wins. told you guys this before. Don't you hate it? Like when game day gets you ready for a nice afternoon of college football, <laughs> you're all hyped up, and then it's like. Northwestern and Iowa, you're like, crap. <laughs> Those 11 a.m. games. 
Yeah, um, it's Mike Patrick in the middle of the Midwest. As long as I'm somewhere. right about the Texas Iowa State game, I'll be okay. I'm starting to freak out about this game a little bit. I ain't gonna lie to you. Oh yeah, I'm starting to freak me out a little. When bit. I had to predict the score, I, could I was easily like, oh, see yeah. Texas not being ready for this game. Uh, that's why I'm not freaking I, out because I've fought, I've covered this yeah, program the exactly. last three and years. And I can right? see them like, like in 2015 after beating Oklahoma, you get shut out by Iowa State. I can see something like that happening. Just well, because not only did they lose their last year to the shutout, but two years ago, then last year they were down six to three at halftime, needed 21 points in the third quarter that D-ball to Duvernay. Something about All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Blitz. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rob B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at 104.9 The Horn, hornfm.com, where you can get this podcast each and every week. And thanks to Matt, you can get us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any podcast app. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Also, don't forget about Rod B. on 104.9 The Horn on the broadcast every day from 1 to 3. Shameless luck. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.